Welcome to the WEPC Discipleship Podcast, because the gospel changes everything. So here we go. We're going to jump in. Um, how does what does Kobe Bryant have to do with the revelation? Um, you're going to find out. It's awesome. Uh, but the whole idea that we're going to get here is like wherever your starting point is. I was telling Aaron last night. I think this is going to become my favorite book in scriptures. Uh, I studied it a long time ago uh, in seminary. All I remember was that we had one binder for Hebrews to Jude, and then another binder for Revelation. And it was like this thick. Um, And my kids were like, why is this book so big when Revelation is so small? And I was like, we're going to find out together. So um, Joe knows more than I do, but I'm very excited to talk with you about this. It's really fun. And and what's crazy about this is this picture, which again is from the Bible project of the, the, the lamb who was slain on the throne. Like in some ways, it's ridiculous that we're like, wow, that's awesome. But that's also the heart of Jesus, um, that he is a lamb that is slain um, and he sits on the throne. And just to think about, you know, yes, there's dragons. Um, to think about um, that versus a dragon should be like, what are we thinking? But that should also tell you the power um, that Christ holds, even as a slain lamb. Um, nothing can stand before him. And so we're going to jump into a lot today, a lot of overview, a little bit of the prologue, the first eight chapters. So I'm going to pray for us and we'll get going. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Uh, This book is about mercy, Um, your mercy on us, your love for us, um, and how, as as Joe said, uh, you win. And I forget that very often. And I don't really know if I'm honest how often, how how that should impact my life on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Uh, but it is a glorious truth that we will get to sit in for the next number of weeks. And we pray that it would um, both um, tear us down and build us up. Um, Lord, we ask that we would confront our sin and our complacency uh, while also looking to uh, the slain lamb who sits on the throne. As we look forward to that day, will there be no more tears, no more pain. Um, we are so excited uh, that you have called us to yourself, uh, and we pray that this would only um, serve to remind us more and more of your love for us. So it's your name we pray. Amen. All right, so a couple of questions to start with. You're going to turn to the people next to you. Uh, you can just pick whichever one you like. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. So uh, how are you feeling about this, for, this book? What is a word or phrase that comes to mind when you think of the book of Revelation? Um, confusing, terrifying, exciting. What are you hoping to get out of it? Or what might cause you to want to avoid this book? Um, so in a lot of ways, why'd you walk into this room? And why are you committing time here? So just take like one minute, turn to the people next to you, pick whichever question grabs your attention, uh, and discuss. One, two, three, go. All right. What, what are the words that when you think, what is the range of words maybe you heard even in your group or descriptors or thoughts as you think of the book of Revelation? Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, that's a good one. Mysterious. Mysterious, yes. That's a good one. Imagery. Imagery. Accountability. What is that? Accountability? Accountability. Accountability. Yeah, wow. 
misunderstood. Misunderstood, yeah. Or mistaught. Right, both <laughs> and. Yeah. What else? Great. Well, um, yeah, all those things are true. And so many other things. As we, um, you know, it's like the last book. And uh, what we'll find, uh, and one of the things, some of you probably know this book better than I do. And you have sat in it for a long time. Uh, and so uh, I just want to say thank you. Um, and, and there'll be times where you can share from your knowledge. But for the most part, I would imagine a lot of us don't have a, a really like secure understanding of this book. It's sort of the book at the end. And we always go to like Revelation, the last two verse chapters. And you're like, those are fun chapters. And the in-between is like, I don't know, but like, look. Um, and, and so like uh, at the end of the day, though, um, the hope we can have in this is you don't have to get it right for it to be true. Um, what we are going to read and, um, and, uh, and sort of digest and process true does end with Christ's victory. And that's what we're going to hold on to. So as we walk through this, that's what I've been telling myself. As we walk through this, there'll be things that you maybe just don't understand or don't click up, um, and that's okay. Um, Jesus wins. And so a lot of times we can get, uh, well, I, I want to save my Kobe Bryant illustration for the appropriate time. Um, but um, so we'll start with why should we study Revelation? Um, uh, we should study it because we might be able to understand it. Um, I don't know how you felt about that beforehand, but probably there's some trepidation or it just seems like a lot and it is a lot. And how could I ever understand it? Um, the thing that I love is a lot of the authors talk about this idea that revelation is a culmination of patterns that have existed all throughout scripture. So what you'll begin to find is like, you're just going to kind of apply new skills to things. Maybe you've already learned. Um, right. It is it is nothing. It is. There are new things in it. Yes, absolutely for us. But a lot of the imagery and the symbolism was meant to make sense to the churches of that time. And so it was bouncing off of things they already knew from the Hebrew scriptures. So there's patterns that we're going to fall into. That'll be like, like the number seven we'll get at today. Like um, a, a, that has a, a it's not foreign to them and it was not it won't be foreign maybe to us as well. Um, after this. Um, but we can understand its central message. Um, you know, the other thing, I love this. This is from Nancy Guthrie. Uh, we need to see this world and our lives in this world through the perspective of heaven. That this book actually has a lot to say about how do we, as followers of people who are trying to follow Jesus, how does it impact our daily lives? Um, you might start quoting Revelation to people after this. It'll freak them out a little bit because of um, the, the uh, popular notions that we have of the book. But that's, it's fun. It'll, it's conversation. But uh, she said this. She says, we don't have all the data we need to evaluate what's happening in our world. You ever feel like that? Like, what's going on? Like, I work with high school people, and most of the time they're like, what's going on? Except they're like... Um, maybe insecure, maybe more, they're probably more secure than we are as adults. And they're just like, I don't know what's going on. What's going on? Well, we're like, let me tell you what's going on. It's like, you don't have any idea and I don't have any idea, but something is happening uh, behind the scenes. 
Um, and we probably have always felt like that something's happening. If you've ever had a hard relationship or a hard conversation with someone where you knew something was going on, you didn't have the information you needed to maybe care for them or speak to them well. Um, so uh, that's why revelation becomes important. We are limited by our humanity, and revelation shows us that. John's view of earth from the perspective of heaven will help us better see the true nature of things. So that's pretty exciting. And it talks about this book being a blessing, which is funny because most, at least, again, I'll just start speaking for myself. Like, I'm usually like, ah, like, is it? Um, uh, we want the, the blessing that this book is promised to those who keep and uh, hear and keep it. Um, we want, we, there's blessing here, and we want it, and that's a good thing. Uh, and our hope is to put ourselves in a posture to receive it. Um, so how can we prepare ourselves? Um, this is fun. If you don't have one of these, I believe all this stuff will be online at some point. Yeah. Um, be ready to use your visual imagination. How many of you are like excited about that part? Like I love, I think visually, I'm an artist. And how many of you are like, oh man, like <laughs> I'm a little bit of both. So it's like, I'm an English major that, um, so part of me gets really excited about that, but then I'm also like, could I get it wrong? And what if I get it wrong? Am I gonna help someone else get it wrong? Um, like, I don't want that to happen. Um, I literally went to seminary because one person in my young life training said, don't teach something some kid's gonna have to unlearn. <laughs> and I, I heard that in 2003, and I still remember it to this day. Um, and I literally went to seminary, I think, because of that. Like, I'm very fearful of that. So um, thanks for forcing me into this. Um, be, uh, be ready to develop skills in interpreting symbols. You're going to get better at it. You're going to learn skills here that I think will be helpful throughout all of Scripture. Um, it's okay to ask questions, share, and discuss. Um, I may not have all the answers. Joe may not have all the answers. Uh, we may not have all the answers. But it's still okay to present questions. Um, today's going to be a lot, so um, it's okay if you have a question. It, uh, we may, for the sake of time, have to move quickly because it's a lot. I want to get into the scripture a little bit, and we, we're going to learn about apocalyptic literature, which I've been excited to share for weeks. Um, uh, and be ready to let go of what you know or feel about this book. So as we come into this room each week, we come in with, these, with the weight of our week, and you can bring that in here. That's, that's who you are, okay? Like, you don't have to leave that. But, like, your sort of preconceived understanding of Revelation, whether right or wrong, I would encourage you just to kind of set by the door uh, and walk in with a refreshed and renewed desire to, what are we going to learn in, together? Uh, I want something new I can learn. Um, and I said the last thing is, is know thyself. Some of you, again, have a lot of uh, knowledge of this, uh, and some of you don't. Um, for those of us, we don't, for, the, for those who do feel like they have a lot of knowledge, we just want to be careful with that knowledge, that it doesn't shut someone else down, that they feel like, I don't have enough knowledge to be in this room. Um, your starting point, I'm thinking of everybody's starting point is, I just learned that Revelation is singular. Um, it's okay, I learned that too. Like, I knew it, but then I was like, yes, yeah, right, it's not. Um, I bet that's misunderstood. Also, that reminds me, mispronunciations. This is how you say our name, if you've ever wondered. You see Aaron a lot. Bok night. So like bok choy or a chicken is another way, depending on your, where I am, whether I'm home or whether I'm in Richmond. I'll 
that's how I describe it. So uh, here we go. We're going to jump into some fun stuff. Who, uh, who wrote this? Uh, we're not going to get into the weeds a lot. John wrote it. Um, <laughs> there's people that every, every author, every great scholar will be like, there's some debate, but, which is them being like, we know it's this guy, but so I don't have to answer a lot of critics. I'm just going to leave the door open. We're 100, almost 100% sure it's John. Um, the date is uh, sometime in the mid-90s AD. Um, and, and so John is imprisoned on Patmos. I'll be honest, for the longest time, I just thought he was just like kicked out the Patmos and was just hanging out like Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean on a like desert island. No, he was probably in a prison camp. Um, he's also about 80 uh, in his 80s. So they, they believe he started with Jesus at 16 um, or his young teens. He was, I think, one of the youngest disciples. And just think about what he's seen and what he's experienced and that long obedience. Um, how cool is it that he's given himself to really one thing his whole life? I would imagine um, it gets both easier and tougher to do that when you're an apostle. We're always like, you were with Jesus. Like, it must have been easy. It's like, it doesn't sound like it. That's Peter. Jesus called him Satan one time. Like, I don't know if it was as easy as we maybe think it was. Um, let's give them some credit. They were like kids. Um, but I love uh, the fact that uh, he's at the, towards the end of his life. Um, where the audience um, is these seven churches, uh, a revelation. So uh, this is like modern Turkey. So this would have been Asia Minor. I'm all talking about things. I'm trying to remember, Aaron. So if you sound more intelligent, please start talking. Um, that's Patmos. It's one of the islands. You can look it up. It's, it's pretty um, now. Um, and, and so the thing is here, what do you notice? How many churches? Seven. Um, that should key us. That's, a, that's our first like, hey, is it just these seven? Or what does seven typically represent in the scriptures? What does it typically represent? What do you think? When you think of seven in the scriptures, what are things that you think of? Yeah. All the things you said, I couldn't hear them. But I think, I hope one of them was creation, right? Like it's just complete, this whole it's good. It's perfect. So the whole idea is it's not just these seven churches. Um, it's to everyone, every church. Uh, again, it is a number representing completeness, but it is also to these seven churches. Um, and what we're finding out is um, that the background is the role of, of the Roman Empire. It's the rule of uh, Domitian. I had to learn that pronunciation last night. Domitian. Uh, and so they don't know it, but they're about to get persecuted big time. Like they're not not getting persecuted now, but they're about to realize they're not getting persecuted right now. Um, and so this this letter is written to them. It is a letter as well. There's a lot of genres going on here. Um, it is written to them um, to prepare them for what's to come, to pull them out of their spiritual complacency. Um, you know, and we can all remember the like, I, you know, lukewarm Christian, this is where it comes from, that kind of idea. Uh, so it's, it's preparing um, them to, to address the whole church, but to prepare these specific seven churches as well. Joe, anything you would add to sort of the, those, those nuggets? Yeah, okay, great. great. Awesome. Okay, now we're going to learn um, uh, a little bit from Kobe Bryant. Um, you're like, what? Um, I tried to find somebody a little bit more relevant though he's a goat, so he like holds, 
holds value like a Toyota truck. Uh, and, um, and so, but I, they don't have any of LeBron right now. So we're going to go with Kobe. Um, and I couldn't find any of Mahomes or Jalen Hurts uh, either. So I, this is all I got. But uh, here we go. So what, what is an apocalypse? Um, uh, as, as you can see here, I'm going to read a lot of things because they were, they were I want to make sure I'm following you. But uh, uh, they, they talk about this book. So just settle into this verse. And it's on there. A prophetic book about the prophet's apocalypse that he communicates by means of a letter. Uh, so it's a prophetic book. So it's prophecy. Um, an apocalypse, which I'm so excited about this word, uh, that's communicated by means of a letter. And so in that sentence is a lot that we should remember and think about as we go through this, because it gives us keys to understanding how we're supposed to understand what we're reading and context around those things. Uh, and so uh, apocalypse, which is, um, who I wrote down, the uh, <laughs> apocalypsis. Is that how you're supposed to pronounce it? I, I, did, I phonetically wrote it out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Apocalypsis um, is the Greek word there. Uh, and guess what it doesn't mean? Correct. <laughs> but if you look up in a, a typical dictionary right now, it's going to tell you it talks about end times. Um, here's what we need to understand as, as people who want to have conversations with our friends about significant things. It's never a good lead in to be like, you're getting it wrong. <laughs> like, you know, like you should, uh, one way to be like, hey, there's a popular understanding of this word and there's a biblical understanding of this word. Or there's a, um, a modern understanding of this world and sort of the rest of time understanding of this word. And so that's just something to sit with and know that people are... Uh, People are going to think things are going to like what comes in your mind when you think of apocalypse? A movie. A movie? Yeah. Zombies. zombies. Thank you. Yeah. We all are like thinking of zombies now because that's like how we understand the apocalypse is going to work. I wonder who started that. That'd be an interesting conversation for another class. Um, but apocalypse means to reveal or disclose. So you want to think of it kind of like this. As John is sitting... Um, uh, you know, obviously in the mountain, just exactly like that. Um, it's as if God took the curtain, like you were at a, the night one of a, of a performance, and pulled it back, is pulling it back. And is a basically about to be like, look what's going on. Um, and I bet it would terrify us if we saw that. And uh, But I also think it would encourage us. Yes? I don't mean to get too esoteric. It's okay. I mean, it's a Oh, gosh. Anybody? I was a... Okay, great. Yeah, I was an English lit major, not a grammar major. So thank you. This is how we can help each other. Um, I would have had an editor if I wrote. Um, But yeah, so the whole idea here is that we get to see what's going on from a divine perspective, which is what we want in our life, right? We, We would love to be like, God, what's going on here? Now, the good news is you can know. Because he's given us, I always tell these high school kids, I was like, hey, if somebody wrote you like an 1,100-page letter, do you think that'd be sufficient for helping you understand some things about them and about the, their life and the world that, around them? They're like, yeah, that's what God did. He wrote us an 1,100-page letter. Like, if we really give it time and sit with it, we're going to find that it is, um, though ancient, very, very relevant to our lives today. 
Uh, and so I just want to encourage you in that um, as we walk through this. But the whole idea is that every generation can be challenged, comforted, and given hope for the future. So how do we read this? This is where Kobe comes to help us. So um, there's lots of symbols in, in this book. Uh, and so what you see here, I don't know how people do this. I think it's one of the most incredible works of art I've ever seen. Just because they took, these are all snapshots of Kobe's career. He's very good. If you don't know who Kobe Bryant is, he's, we would rank him probably around third most impactful basketball player of all time. Um, but um, he, uh, all these are just little glimpses of his career, um, little snapshots, little pictures put together to make a whole, like a mosaic. Isn't that amazing? Like we should just stop and like somebody worked really hard on this. I don't understand how it happened, but it makes up the whole. So um, what is important there is if you were to be defined by just one, if we were to zero in on one moment of your life, would we get a clear picture of who you are? No. The same thing is true of Kobe. They all come together to form this big picture of who Kobe Bryant is. And the same is true of Revelation. There's, gonna, there's a lot of little details here that we could spend a lot of time parsing out. But ultimately, we do not want to forget the whole picture that they are all pointing to. That we get the key. We have to view them through the lens of the lamb wins. And so that's just important. It's not that they, these moments were not important to Kobe Bryant. They are just a part of a bigger whole. And so I think that's how we can understand Revelation, that there's a bunch of symbols, um, and, and, but we should not take them apart piece by piece, devoid of each other, uh, that they are meant to stick with what is uh, central. Um, the symbols in Revelation are meant to reshape our imagination so we think differently about the world. This is especially true of the lamb on the throne, the slain lamb on the throne. I'll say that again, so that we would think differently about the world. When we think of power and conquering, who are our characters or historic figures that pop into mind for you? Winning. Charlie Sheen. Babylon. Babylon. Caesars. Caesars. Alexander Great. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. These, like, powerful people... Um, who by their uh, greatness and their perceived lack of weakness or, um, or um, they fit into this mold of who we think a conqueror should be. As usual, Jesus does not. And we should pay attention to that. Um, and we should pay attention to, 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 to what does that have to say to us? That our king is a lamb slain on the throne. Like, I love this, this visual. I just love this visual of that. Like, it's the most approachable thing in the world. Yet the power that it holds everything together in the palm of his hands. We should, if you sit with anything this week, sit with that. And you'll understand where we're going and what Revelation is about. Um, it's, it, it's been messing with my mind, so now I want it to mess with your mind so that we can all be like, this is just nuts, but amazing. Um, so, um, so 
getting into apocalyptic literature, right? There's symbols in there that we need to be careful of. Um, and we're get, these are going to kind of flow out. But um, how do we read it? Um, again, you can see here the keys to understanding Revelation. The key to understanding biblical apocalyptic literature is to look at the literary design that's introduced in the book of Genesis and develop throughout the rest of Scripture. It's last for a reason. It is everything else is point like moving us towards this. This is where we started in the garden. These are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Um, and so we have um, we may be applying skills or developing skills, um, maybe applying skills that maybe for those of you who maybe grew up around a church, you, you may be able to apply some things that you learned to help us. Or for those of us who maybe did not grow up around a church, um, we'll get to learn some new things. And that you begin to understand the key to Revelation um, is the rest of the Bible. That's great news because we have the rest of the Bible and we can sit in it uh, and we can learn from it. Um, So let's so that's just important. So this is on the handout. But for the sake of those who don't have it. um, uh, And again, a lot of this is kind of found in um, the Bible project does like a five or six um, podcasts. podcast series on how to read apocalyptic literature is really good you should listen to it uh it takes a while for them to get to revelation uh and you'll you'll go i'm just gonna look at the revelation one and then the first few sentences are like we really hope you've listened to the other four and you're like okay um and don't put it on two times just read it just listen to it at normal speed um but here we go. So some pitfalls, failure to re- failing to recognize the literary style of apocalyptic literature as well as its purpose. What's a good solution? Understand how apocalyptic texts work through symbolism, poetic style, and appeal to the imagination. That's great. Yes. So you're referencing biblical apocalyptic literature. Yep. Other than Daniel would be uh, Daniel Ezekiel, and there's episodes kind of throughout Scripture. Daniel would be the the um, the prevailing other text, and the one that you'll see. We won't have time to get a lot of those connections in the first prologue, depending on time. But like John does borrow from Daniel um, coming in on the clouds, um, that sort of feeling. But yes, so this this can apply to any apocalyptic text. Any apoc- maybe it even applies to zombie literature. I'm not sure, but. Um, <laughs> It definitely applies to all of the all of the apocalyptic texts without in scripture. Uh, failing to take the first century context of Revelation seriously, I think this is this was something that I just I've never thought. Of, I'll be honest, I've never thought about it. Well, maybe I did in seminary. I didn't have the best grades, but um, I listened really well. But but maybe we've forgotten that this was written to people. That somebody opened a you know an ancient mailbox and pulled out a physical letter or scroll and then someone spoke it to a church. That happened. There was a church of Philadelphia. So we do have a Super Bowl reference today. Like, you know, and, and they would have read these words um, and they would have had, um, they would have made sense to them and they probably cringed in their seats a little bit. And some of them probably got outraged. And some of them probably agreed. Sounds a lot like church. Um, 
But we need to understand that it is addressed to first century Christians. And what can we learn from that? Uh, Claiming arbitrary fulfillment of the symbols and images in our own day based on the presumptuous assumption that our own day is the real context of the book's message. Again, we need to remember that there's uh, imagery going on here. There's context going on here. Um, This is written to the first century, um, and we just need to be aware of that. Um, This is probably the one that um, makes them... Oh, that's the last one. Treating Revelation like a puzzle code that must be assembled in pieces to predict future events of our own day. It's not what Revelation is for. Uh, we want to understand it's a, a literary work, right? Kobe Bryant. It, it is a. It is a. Um, it is all. It, it is cohesive, um, working towards uh, a clear message. Interpreting the symbols based on what they mean to us in our context, instead of interpreting the symbols by connecting them to their roots in the Hebrew Bible and in first-century Roman culture. That's really important. We cannot understand them outside of that. It's not fair to them. Um, and this is the one we probably think about the most. Failing to hear the book's pro- prophetic challenge and pastoral message to the seven local churches named in Revelation 2-3 to and how the book's message has spoken to Christian interpreters throughout history. Uh, proposed solution. Remembering that modern predictive futurist interpreters, it's the modern predictive futurist interpreters. You can try that on somebody. You know, modern MPF eyes. Modern predictive future interpreters like Left Behind series. In in college, we stole uh, Left Behind, uh, one of those cutouts in a Christian bookstore, which has is law. It's got a lot of problems with it, um, <laughs> and put it in our house um, because it's like you know, growing pains. Like this is not what's what's his name? Kirk Cameron. Cameron. Bless his heart. Um, <laughs> like. They, um, the desire to help people interact with Scripture is good. Don't forget that. But that's not what we're talking about here. Um, and I don't know their motivations in it. You know, it's like we often get mad at Eugene Peterson for making the message, and he's like, it's not, you're using it wrong. <laughs> you know, it's like, he's like, it's just something I wrote that's helpful like a devotional, and we're like, people are using like the word of, he's like, I never said, you know, Uh, so like we can, I don't know what their motivation was, but what I do know is that's not what revelation is. So that should sort of like relax a little bit that like it is intense. It is an intense book. I've been slowly reading it over the past couple of weeks, uh, and it sometimes I'm like, oh man, I really hope Joe has that week. Um, so moving on, I know some of you have to leave. If you need to leave, it's okay. We can. Um, our friends are going to make make it so that we can have communion today, and so we are very grateful for that. And if you're not doing anything, our communion teams need help, and it's a once a every twelve weeks. Am I correct? Once every seven to eight weeks to twelve weeks. So yeah. So you could really help. You don't have to serve that often, and it's great. (laughs) And think about what you're helping people do. That's pretty awesome. So um, here's the breakdown uh, for time. We're just going to, there it is. Um, We're going to be walking through this. This comes from Hendrickson's book, Um, the structure we're going to go with. Notice the number here, seven. 
Um, so again, this idea of completeness, this idea of whole. Um, so you just want to draw your attention. That's kind of how we'll be walking through it. You're like the persecuting. I mean, doesn't this sound awesome? Like the seven trumpets, the persecuting dra dragon, the fall of Babylon. Like that just feels like, man, that's you don't find that in first Corinthians, right? Like it's like, wow, here we go. John was. I also think this is not supported by any scholarship. Don't you think it's interesting that he chose John? When you hold John's gospel up to the rest of the gospels, John's kind of like the like, what about this? Like light and dark and imagery. Like, I do think it's interesting that he chose that guy to write this book and reveal this to. It probably would have, the way that God created him, it probably synced up a little bit quicker than maybe uh, someone else. And I don't know that that was why, but... Um, it's fun to think about. So for the sake of um, if you're if you've never been in the reformed world before, you can just chill out for the next few minutes and, and enjoy what we're about to learn. But uh, for those of you who have, uh, there's a thing called the millennium. OK, so we're going to get to that more deeply here. Ta -da. Um, very hard word to spell consistently. That's what I've found. I can't spell it. Um, so, but I'm just going to give you an overview of what the heck is uh, millennialism. It's hard to say. Millennialism. Millennialism is another one of those things in the church that people get super fired up about that is important, but not as maybe as important as their excitement about it um, leads you to believe it is. So I, I had a, a professor, his name was Richard Pratt, very brilliant, um, and he talked about this idea of having a cone of certainty, um, and he said that there's, uh, there's some things in the Christian faith that we all, grip, we all grab hold of, and they are important. Those are things like Jesus is God, the Bible is the inerrant word, um, the res, you know, uh, faith, uh, the resurrection of Jesus, some like crucial things of the faith. And then there's some other things where we disagree. And just like we want to hold tight to these, we want to be careful about these. These are crucial and draw all Christians together in places of unity. Uh, and there's places across, and, and there's a, a way to, and there's a great article uh, on the Gospel Coalition, a guy named Alan Bandy, who talks about like, hey, what are the five things that everyone sort of agrees upon? That's just helpful. But just know that like millennial, I would say millennialism falls in the sort of like up here thing where it's like, is it important to give time to and understand? Absolutely. Um, is it really going to change my eternal standing before the Lord if I get it wrong? Probably not. Um, I want to hold. So we're going to give it that time. It's important and significant. And something that you should understand because you don't want to be in a conversation with someone and be like, well, what about your stance? Are you ah, post or pre or now post pre-millennium is like two now? Like, and I'm like, wow, that happened in the last 15 years. Um, maybe it didn't. I just, but anyway, pre-millennialism, pre ah, millennialism and post-millennialism. Um, the first two make it somewhat clear. They're all about the thousand years, this is a thousand years, a millennium it talks about in Revelation 20. 20. Um, and, um, and this is talking about like, when does Jesus show up? And so premillennialists um, 
Christ returns before the millennium. Amil, which is where Joe and I land in our church lands, uh, is this sort of already not yet. So you want to think of pre as before, Jesus comes before and then reigns. Uh, Amillennialism, uh, Amil, uh, is the already not yet, that the millennium is a symbolic way of speaking of the present age between the ascension and Christ's glorious return, that we are in it right now. Um, it is this already, but not yet. Christ has not come back yet, uh, but we are within the millennium that is talked about, symbolic. And post-mill, uh, which this one sounds um, <laughs> sounds fun, but I wonder how they're feeling right now. Um, <laughs> sorry if you're post-mill. I did not mean to take a stab at you. But it just talks about, it's like the church will enjoy a golden age of righteousness. It's almost like the church is going to, I'm not sure, take over and rule, and it's going to be awesome. Um, and, and Jesus uh, will come at the end of that period. So is that pretty fair? Yeah, we're going to get... Yeah, so see this, see this like you're driving on a, a road trip, and you're like, oh, Richmond's uh, 50 miles away. You know, I see that Richmond's 50 miles away, so I just wanted you to see that these are um, pre-mill, ah-mill, post-mill. You can kind of do some research if you would like to understand that more. Uh, we will get into it deep in the midst of that. So uh, any questions right there? Yes. Yeah, again, it's Kobe Bryant. Just don't forget about Kobe Bryant. Is this little scene really, really important? Or maybe let's say for the sake of conversation, this, this chunk, is that really important parts of his life? I would deem so. Um, but is it the whole thing? No. So that's just, that's how we should try to treat it. Important? Yes. Um, the whole thing? No. And if it causes us to derail on our, our clear understanding of Revelation, we're really cheating ourselves for what God has for us here. Uh, and that's our hope, is that you could sit in the glory of the slain lamb uh, who sits on the throne and take in everything that this book has to share. So um, real quick, here's some, um, I was trying to think of some like things to keep in your back of your mind as we go through this. So you can see there's some theme of Revelation. So these are just a couple snippets. They're short for a reason. Um, Hendrickson states that the theme is the victory of Christ and of his church over the dragon, uh, Satan and his helpers. Revelation 17, 14 is a great summary of itself. Um, they will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of Lord and King of Kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Uh, and then uh, this commentary was just fantastic. Just says the Lamb wins, and so like that's why I'm starting to fall in love with this book because it has this beautiful safety net of all hard things end, and the Lamb wins. And so if I fall, I fall into that. If I'm confused. That's clear. Um, so you, we could stop right here and you understand the book uh, because the lamb wins. Um, but we're going to jump into it in the last 15 minutes. This is going great. Um, much further ahead than I thought I would be. So we're going to look at the prologue. Um, so if you have it on here, if not, that is Revelation 1, 1 through 8. Um, and we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit together. Um, I'll read the whole thing. Um, and then we'll kind of take it apart a little bit. Um, and I'm going to read slowly for, for, on purpose. So sorry, I found out people really do listen to podcasts at two times speed. 
And I just took a deep breath there. That's because it makes me anxious thinking about it. I tried once for, to go one and a half speed, and I did that for about 15 seconds. And then I had to pull over and do breathing exercises. <laughs> so the revelation one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. Love that I am the Alpha and the Omega. God is speaking. Uh, he won't speak again this clearly until uh, directly until re- the end of the book. It's just cool. Like he said those words. All, like it's just great. Um, so here we go. So um, rem- a couple uh, reminders um, as we jump into this. Um, da, 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 da. Um, well, no, I'm just going to let you guys do it. Uh, a book of genres. So you're going to walk through this with the people around you because, again, the goal is to build skills in interpreting these on your own. Uh, so borrow from the knowledge around you. But this is a book of gen- genres. How many do you see in just this opening passage? What type? And I mean, like, you know, I've already mentioned them all, but like uh, poetry, you know, letters, sim- you know, those kinds of things. What is the chain of communication? Well, let's just start with the first one. Turn to the people around you. See if you, how many you can identify, and then I'll catch you up. So take about 30 seconds. So you're going to go quick, very fast. One, two, three, go. All right, just the first bullet. What do we got? What did you, you find? A letter. Yep. Yeah, so there's apocalyptic pr- prophecy. I'm not spelling apocalyptic in front of you. So there's an apocalyptic prophecy. Say that five times fast. What else did we find? Some symbolism, yeah. poetry. Yeah. Stuff. So that's what we're learning, right? All of these things, it's really important, Imagery. kind of fall into that. Feels like a big bucket. And that's kind of how you want to understand it. Prof- apocalyptic prophecy. It's like a big bucket of a lot of stuff that you're going to sift through. But we want to sift through it like a kit. With a bucket of toys. It's like, oh, cool. Let's look at this. What's this? Let's play with this for a little bit. Yeah. What else did you find? Blessing. Yes. Blessing. Who does it seem to be talking about a lot? Jesus. Yeah. Testimony. 
So there's others that we can get to. These are the, the four that the person who's smarter than me came up with, so we'll go with him. Uh, so uh, again, apocalyptic prophecy. This is going to be a revelation of what God will do. John, this is a revelation of what God will do. So the apocalyptic part helps us see that there's symbols to follow and they should be interpreted symbolically. Um, and prophetic is a message from the Lord that demanded an obedient response uh, that will tell us the most important truths about our world. Uh, prophecy tends to uh, lend more on, um, uh, I believe, the, 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 the human part of things. And apocalypse, apocalyptic uh, tends to handle, like, lean more on God, the one revealing it. Um, so historical letter, again, this is just going to help us realize that it's firmly grounded in the times in which it was given. So we need to understand those times to be able to understand how would I have read it as, you know, in Laodicea. I think that was one of the churches. Um, we'll have to somebody figure out a great acronym for the seven churches by next week. Is that the right word? That'd be really helpful for all of us. Um, so uh, there's a gospel testimony, a testimony about Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is what this is. It's a testimony about what Jesus is going to do and has done and will do. Like, I keep saying the same thing. I get excited. Um, but that he is a Savior sufficient to meet the needs of his people. Um, and then a means of blessing. We're going to be blessed by this. Um, and so I'm excited to see how it's going to bless me. I'm excited that week 12 when we get to talk about how this book has blessed us uh, and how it's impacted us and changed us. Okay, uh, so next question is, what is the chain of communication and what is each member's role? So let's see if we can call these out. There's a chain of communication here. Where does it start? God. 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 And then from God, it goes to Jesus. I think this is an effective chain of communication. How can I get this at my office? Uh, what's, who's after Jesus? Yeah, his angel. And then after angel, good old John. And then after John, yeah, the churches. And we can kind of read us in that a little bit. Um, so here, here's what's exciting about these. So um, God gave this plan to Jesus to make known. Uh, it's his revelation to John. He's on the throne enacting this plan. Uh, the angel is a guide kind of given to John to show him the vision of earth, heaven, earth, the wilderness, a new heaven, and almost like a tour guide. Um, this is like telling him the plan. John's the one bearing witness to these plans. You imagine those, those the moments after. You know, I, I always I've been thinking about like when was after once the angel left, and he's just there, and now he's got to get. How did he get it off the eye? Like, there's so many things I don't know that I'd love to know more about. But imagine that, like, you know, I'm sure you come down a little bit. We talk about mountaintop experiences. Imagine what that one was like. Um, the reader. Um, so that, that's us, the churches, the, 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 the person that would read. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. There's someone in here. John's going to give it to someone who's going to read it to the churches. So I wonder who they were. They would have been the first ones to utter these words to the churches. And then the churches uh, would receive it. Um, 
they will be hearers and keepers of this word and be blessed by it. Um, the message does not originate with the, in the imagination or experience of John. It is a direct revelation from God through Jesus, through this angel to him. I think that's really special to sit with. Um, all right, we, we are, ro- oh gosh, here we go. So um, <clears throat> we're going to move forward a little bit. Verse 4 gives us a chance to look for pattern from the rest of Scripture. Again, we're just going to, seven churches tells us that, like, yes, it's seven churches, and they're important, but it's to the whole church at that time and to the whole church universal uh, to this day. Um, <clears throat> you already did that. Do I got anything else on here? Um, all right, so in the last, what in, I want you to turn to the people next to you. We're going to kind of finish with this. Um, what encouragement do we find and what warning is found? What encouragement do you find from these verses, or do you think that early church would have found, and, and what warning is found? Okay, what are the, some of the things that encourage you? In just these first verses. Love to hear two or three. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. What else? What encouraged you? You don't even know, need to know why, by the way. Just like, I like that. Blessed is the one who, who reads. Yeah. Word. I can do that. I can read. Like, I got half of it. Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Yeah. Yeah, that should cause us to relax. So he even like, you know, talks about made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. You know, it's it's now. It's yeah. not just wishful thinking of the future. Right, it has something to say to us now. Something about the present. Yeah. That has purpose and gives us purpose as the church. He's coming back. He's coming back? Yeah, that's good. That's good news. Our I know, it's like, you go back to the verse, you know, your day is a doubt. You know, it's like, ah. Oh. Well, I was just thinking that people that are going to be reading it and hearing it, they're living it. Yeah. They lived in the time. This is immediate history to them. Yeah, that's true. Christianity's brand new. The, the church, there's a lot of confusion, what to believe, but not. I think the warning yeah. is very real. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be very scary. We're going to get scared. Uh, I got, I've been scared, but I think also like it's, it's cool to think, I think for them, like God's speaking that, you know, there'd been a kind of a, a gap in some senses, you know, like, but God's speaking directly to the church. Like that's cool. Yeah. And now he's saying this to the church university. Yeah. We are his chosen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The idea of fulfillment and nothing, it's not changed. The plan's been the same all along. And we can draw off those patterns. Yeah. There's so much beautiful language here. 
uh, just some things that stuck out to me um, that him who loves us, he's doing this because he loves you. Um, shown his death on the cross, by, and we see that because we know he loves us because he died on the cross for us, and he sets us free. Um, you know, this, the idea of becoming a kingdom, like we are priests, um, that Jesus is the complete and perfect revelation of God. Um, I love the spon- in four and five, we see like this spontaneous, um, uh, you know, grace to you and peace from him who was and is to come, like this adoration of Jesus. It just sort of happens. I'm like, was that John? Was that, did the angel just do that? Like, but this, this idea of like we're recognizing the full power and understanding of Jesus. He is both a human and a man that walked. But now we're seeing that he is God and he does reign on the throne presently. Um, and we'll kind of finish um, with this, um, skipping a little few things, but uh, that God is stating that he is the Alpha and the Omega. Um, that he's the one who holds all things together and will accomplish all his purposes. What's beautiful about this and why I think it's so special, maybe funny, uh, that he uses a slain, that's the wrong word, but hear me out, a slain lamb is like, look what I can do with a slain lamb. The most, like that picture just grabs me because I'm like, it seems so fragile. It seems so inadequate. Um, but how, how does that speak to me so much more versus if he were using like some sort of like, if he was the dragon, like I want Jesus to be the dragon, you know, like, but there's something special about that that we're going to have to uncover and discover and let sit with us and, and just mess with us. Um, you know, as, I go, as you think about the Beatitudes, um, this sort of upside down kingdom that Jesus talks about, um, it's, we still, I mean, my thought is I still don't get it, but I hope to get a little closer. Like, I hope to let go of this, the world a little bit more and trust in him because it does require trust. Um, Otherwise, yeah, it's scary. So we're going to kind of finish, Joe, just in case you have anything. Here's some resources. Uh, I put up um, two songs that I like that sort of just came to me. And if something comes to me in the middle of this... um, and, and the good thing is Joe and I are going to teach differently. I don't know if, but you should share stuff too. But like, I just thought of Holy, Holy, Holy. And we, we were singing Yet Not I, but through Christ in me last week. And it just connected to what we're talking about. Like, it's okay. I mean, for me, I was like, it's okay, Matt. You're waiting to, you know, this is deep water, but guess what? I win. Um, and these are just some of the, the this is the, um, Apocalyptic literature, which could be really helpful just for understanding some of the technical things. Uh, and these are our books. Joe, is there anything you want to add? Oh, that's, that's great. Great. That's great. Um, so we will be back here. Um, you can look at the front to see kind of what we'll be um, looking at. I would encourage you to, to have read it one time before you come in here, maybe over your coffee on Sunday morning, just pick it out. We're not going to be knocking. I mean, there's a couple weeks where we go a uh, couple chapters, but next week will be Joe and be leading us through 9 through 20. So just familiarize yourself with it. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we're past time for those of you who need to go get your kids. I was once, I was teaching eight-year-olds previously, so please go get your kids now. Like, <laughs> one of you go get your kids now. Let me pray, and we'll go, Jesus, thank you for your fullness and your goodness to us. And... um
I just love that this is the book that ends the Bible, that we'll get to read the last words of the Bible. And I was just thinking about how significant that is. Um, and I was just thinking of the hope that we have, knowing that this isn't, um, this is such a small part of our eternal existence. But it's also a real part, and you care about it. And that's why you wrote letters. And so we'll sit in those letters, and we just pray for perspective, uh, the right lens. Um, and it seems like there's so much that we're going to have to put into each uh, interpretation of a symbol. Would you just uh, give us grace in that with ourselves um, and just let us lean on good resources? So thank you so much for this time. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Amen. All right, go get your kids. <laughs>